Hello everybody and welcome back to another Tuesday teaching. Today we're going to be talking about the battle of the will. So we're going to be looking at many things that Jesus said in Matthew 26. And then we're also going to be looking to the rest of the word in Romans and also in Philippians to what the will of God is and how we get our will in align with God's will. So join me tonight. We're going to be talking. If you guys are joining on Instagram, we also have Facebook and YouTube up, and that is a much smoother looking video. So if you want to hop on over to Facebook or YouTube, you're welcome to do that. I can see some of your comments here, but I would love to see your comments on Facebook and YouTube as well. But welcome, everybody. It's going to be a good night. Let's start tonight with a little bit of prayer, and then we'll dive right into the Word. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for hopping on. Let's get right into the Word of God tonight. Father, we come before you this evening, and we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, that you know every part of us. You see our hearts. You know our will. You can read our mind, Lord. So everything we have, we lay before you tonight. And Lord, I ask that we would just pick up what you have for us tonight, that we would pick it up and we would run with what, with what you teach us tonight, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come, it would fill us up, Lord, that we would encounter your presence, your spirit, your word. Lord, you said your word would never come back void. So we trust you tonight in what you've said and what you're saying, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that overall tonight, our will would come in line with yours, Lord, that we wouldn't operate out of our own understanding, our own will, our own desires, but that we would operate in the will of God, the perfect will of God. So Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and we thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So today, like I said before, if you guys are just hopping on now, Facebook and YouTube, we got some people on there, so it's good to see everybody. We are going to be talking about the battle of the will. And this came up today, This, as I was writing this, as I was praying into what the Lord wanted to speak tonight, it's, it's this thing of knowing God's will, right? We talk about knowing God's will a lot, but today I want to talk more about the battle of the will, the battle of our will against the Father's will, right? Because the Father's will is what we should be pursuing, is what we should be trying to come in align with. So we're going to start tonight, and we're going to start just by talking, and I, I talk about this quite a bit. So if you've heard me preach or talk before, you've probably heard this before, but it's so important to understand who we are, who we are, what we're made up of. And we are made up of spirit, soul, and body. Every single one of us has a spirit, a soul and a body. That's that's the encapsulating view of one person. One spirit, one soul, one body. So there's a spirit within you. When God breathed the breath of life into Adam, he breathed his spirit, he breathed himself, a part of himself into Adam. That's why when we are Believing when we believe in Jesus and get born again, we receive the Holy Spirit within us and we become a child of God because part of God, who is spirit, comes to live within us and we become children of God. We're born again into the family of God. Then we are a soul. We are mind, will, and emotions. And what the will is, is what I want to talk mostly about tonight. But our mind, will, and emotions is how we think, our desires, the things we do, what we're driven by, and how we feel. That's the soulish realm. All right, and then the body, which is the flesh, what we live in, right? If we were like, well, really, we are like every other creature in the sense of the flesh. We have bones, muscle, 
intestines, organs, all of these things every other creature on earth has, but no other creature on earth has a spirit and a soul. That's why we are created in God's image. We are created in his likeness. We are made like him because we are made to operate in this world just as he operates over all of everything that exists, right? So that's what we're focusing on tonight is the soul. The soul is the will. Our will is located in our soul. So it's it's how we're thinking, what we're working towards. It's our drive. Um, I was looking up how people would describe the will, and it's a lot to do with our choices, right? Um, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said the mind choosing. It's our mind choosing, right? So the soul is mind, will, and emotions. So it's our mind choosing. What our mind chooses is our will, right? It's our desire. It's what we do is our will, okay? And that comes out through the flesh. All right, sorry about that, Instagram, we're back. But, so that's what I'm saying. So our will is lived out through our flesh, right? Starts in our mind, our will lived out in the flesh. So now I want to look at Matthew 26, and we're going to start at verse 39. And this is a famous saying, this is a famous sentence, quote by Jesus, as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to the Father right before he's betrayed directly before he gets betrayed by Judas, handed over to be crucified. This is what Jesus has to say. This is what he is praying to the Father. This is what he says in verse 39. And going a little farther, he threw himself upon the ground on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, or not what I desire, but as you will and desire. So this this quote that Jesus says, this verse, is repeated three times in three different Gospels, right? So this is something that we need to catch on to. A lot of times when things are repeated, especially in the Gospels, right? Because not every story, not every line, not every saying by Jesus is repeated in all the Gospels, right? We can trust each and every one because they're different accounts written to different audiences. But when it emphasizes one thing in many of the Gospels, this is something that we really want to hit on. And this is spoken about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus said this in the Garden of Gethsemane, that not my will, but yours be done. And of course, he's praying to the Father, right? And Jesus is even saying, right, that this cup pass away. A lot of times we think of Jesus as wanting to die for us, right? Wanting to go through all this suffering. Nobody wants to go through suffering, and even Jesus didn't want to, right? He wanted to do the will of the Father. That was his desire. That was his will. His will was to do the Father's will. Jesus said, I don't live on bread alone, but I live to do the Father's will. So Jesus was so focused on the will of God, of his Father, that that's what his will became, right? So that's why he told the Father, even though I don't want to go through the suffering, even though it's not my desire, even though I would rather have you take this cup of, of suffering away from me, not my will, but your will be done. And so that should be our cry as well, right? And so this is spoken in three different gospels, so it's very important. And there's a couple different things, right? The will is the desire. And Jesus actually says in one of them, right, it's brought out in the Amplified Version, but always your will be done. So he was looking to always do the Father's will, 
wasn't just looking for his will, wasn't just looking for his desire, but he was focused on the Father's will, the Father's desire, and always the Father's desire. All right? And the next thing that we look at when we hear about the will and we think of Jesus is we think of the Lord's Prayer, right? This is Jesus' prayer that he teaches to the disciples, right? As a model for how we pray. But one of the things in the prayer is not my will, right? Oh, not my, not that. But thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's a line in the Lord's Prayer. So oftentimes when we think of will, right? That's the same thing. Jesus is saying in that prayer, we should be praying that we would do the Father's will, that the Father's will would be done here on earth. So there's a few instances of Jesus talking about the will. Now I want to talk about the main question for tonight. What gets in the way of doing God's will? What gets in the way of doing God's will? And what we can do here is we're going to continue in Matthew 26. Because after this, Jesus goes on in verse 40, right? Just after he says, not what I will, but your will be done. After he prays that to the Father, this is what happens in verse 40. He says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Are you so utterly unable to stay awake and keep watch with me for one hour? All of you must keep awake and watch and pray that you may not come into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak all right the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak and this is what jesus says to the disciples so what gets in the way of doing god's will the flesh right because the spirit is willing and this isn't even the highlighted spirit like holy spirit but the spirit within you is willing, especially when you're born again, right? If you're not born again, then you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you, then your spirit's not renewed, then the heart, right, which is often labeled as the same thing as the spirit, is deceitful beyond all ways. But if we're regenerated by the Lord, if we've heard the word of God, we've responded, we, we, we repented to God, and we've come into his family, right? We've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, our spirit is renewed. And so now our spirit is willing, our spirit is wanting to do the desire of the Father. But we still are in this flesh, right? We haven't come out of this flesh, we haven't died and come out of our body, or Jesus hasn't returned to give us our glorious bodies, our heavenly bodies, our spiritual bodies, right? So the flesh is weak. The flesh is what holds us back. So now I want to go into what this looks like, how we can overcome this, and just point out that the flesh is what gets in the way of doing God's will. So then we're going to go to Romans 7. Romans 7. And we're going to look at some verses here, starting in verse 14 of Romans 7. And this is, um, if you ever want to have a good read, read Romans 6, 7, 8, right in a row. And that will be amazing for you. Because Paul goes through this discourse of talking to the Romans about you shouldn't be living in sin anymore. You should have died to sin. Then he talks about in Romans 7, which we're going to talk about, that even though he doesn't want to sin, he still finds himself sinning because of the flesh, because of the sin that's in him, the law of sin, as he calls it. And then he talks about in Romans 8, the power to overcome the law of sin, the power to overcome our flesh, which is found in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get into that. But first... Romans 7, verse 14, which says, We know that the law is spiritual, 
So the word of God, the law that the Israelites tried to live under for so many years but can never do, is spiritual. The law is spiritual. But I am a creature of the flesh. I am carnal. I am unspiritual, right? In the natural, we are carnal. We are flesh. Having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not practice what I wish, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now going on to verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. So Paul is pointing out here, my will is to do what is right. I want to do what is right, but this flesh, nothing good dwells within my flesh. Nothing good. It's carnal. It's, it's natural. It's not spiritual. It's not like God. God is not flesh. God is not created. He's not flesh and bone. He's not muscle. And he's not, that's not who he is, right? He is spiritual. And sometimes we get so caught up in this world, on this earth, with the way things are here, that we are so blinded to see into the spiritual, into the heavenly realm, right? Because that is even more real than the world we live in here, right? This is what we live in, right? We're living in this flesh now. So we recognize the world as it is and we try to understand it by our natural mind, right? And for 2,000 years since Jesus and 6,000 years or however long it's been since God created the world, humans have been learning about the natural world, but not so much, not so great at learning about the spiritual world because even the spiritual world is more real than the natural world. Why is that? Because God is spirit. God is spirit and the heavens are spiritual. Everything around us is spiritual. There's angels, there's demons, there's all of these spiritual forces that we can't see, right? We don't battle against flesh and blood, but we can't battle against spiritual principalities and powers. So that is more real. That is what our battle is against in this world. And the battle of the will starts there too, right? Because our will is a spiritual thing, but our flesh is not spiritual, right? It's carnal, it's fleshly, and that's what we have to overcome. So Paul says, I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it while I'm living in this flesh, right? So something has to change. Next verse is verse 23 from Romans 7. But I discern in my bodily members, so in my flesh, in the wills of the flesh, a different law at war against the law of my mind, of what I want to do, and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs. Or that dwells in my flesh, right? So what is Paul saying here? He says, I have discerned that in my flesh, a different law is at war against the law of my mind. So there's a law of the flesh at war against the law of my mind, of the mind of what I discern, of what I can will what is right, but there's this other thing that's battling against it, right? And that's the, the battle of the wills, that's the battle of the flesh at war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin. So when we live by the law of our flesh, we become a prisoner to the law of sin instead of to God's perfect law, right? Which is the law of the spirit. And we're going to read about that in just a second. That dwells in the flesh, right? So the law of sin that dwells in the flesh is at war with the law of mind, which lives in our soul 
which comes from our spirit, right? When we're renewed by God, we desire the things of God, but we're still battling this flesh. So how do we overcome it, right? What gets in the way of doing God's will? The flesh. Now we have to figure out how do we overcome this? How do we get freed from this flesh, from this battle? How do we become an overcomer so that we can do the will of the Father, right? Let's keep going. In Romans 8, we're going to look at just the first five verses. It's going to be plenty to convince us of what we need to do, of what we need to be doing to be freed from sin. All right, starting at verse 1 in Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has freed me from the law of sin and death. So the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has freed us from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do, its power being weakened by the flesh, sending his own Son in the guise of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, God condemns sin in the flesh, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the Spirit. Our lives govern not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, set their minds on and seek the things which gratify the Holy Spirit. So what is Paul writing here in Romans 8? That if we're going to come out of this battle of the wills, if we're going to overcome the law of sin that lives in our flesh, we need to give ourselves over to the Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Okay? How do we do that? Maybe we've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe just started, but we're still struggling with sin. We're still going in and out of sin. It's the cyclical battle, and we're not being freed, right? Jesus has come to give us freedom. He's come to give us life and life abundantly. And that includes being free from sin. Any, any bondage, any addictions, any sin that just keeps on coming back that we're not afraid or that we're not able to get out of, that's something that we haven't surrendered to the Spirit. Or it's something we need to be delivered of by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So this is what we need. We need the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is God who has come to live within us. Right, He's renewed our spirit. That's how we know what is right. That He teaches us and leads us into all truth. But we need to also be empowered by the Spirit. Because to know the truth is one thing, but to act on it, to live in the truth, is another. Right, And so that's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. He hasn't just come to convict us, but He's also come to empower us. To preach the gospel, but to, to take us out of our sin, to take us out of the law of sin and into the law of the spirit of life. The spirit brings life and life to the full. So this is what we need to do. All right, I'm going to read one more passage from Philippians, and then we're going to go to Romans 12. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you, 
both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's God working in us both to will and do his good pleasure. So if we're going to will God's pleasure and do God's pleasure, we need to have God working in us. We need to have God in us, right? We need to have the Holy Spirit in us. So first of all, we need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We receive the Holy Spirit, right? Have that actual understanding of it. Not just knowing it up here, but having a true relationship within in our heart, believing in our heart that we've received him, right? We're saved by grace, by God's grace, through our faith, right? And that's, that's how it happens. But then there's also an empowering of the Spirit, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we'll pray through tonight. So if you're looking for power, or if you're looking for freedom, then we're going to pray for that tonight. So you can look forward to that. But Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now our last verse, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. All right. I appeal to you, therefore, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. All right. There is so much in these two verses. It's, I would say, probably my favorite two verses in all the Bible. Romans 12 is something I continue to come back to, but it really wraps up all that we've talked about today on the live, right? It's talked about our bodies. It's talked about the will of God and how we need to know it, right? So let's break it down a little bit. First of all, I appeal to you, therefore, in, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication. A decisive dedication, what does that mean? We are deciding something. We are dedicating something. We are moving in something. And that has to do with our will. A decisive, to make a decision, that comes from our will. We decide things based on our will because of what we desire and what we want to do, right? So make a decisive de dedication of your body, presenting all your members and faculties. So Right? What was the thing that was holding us back from the will of God? It was our flesh. But now we need to actively decide, make the choice within us to use our bodies not as an instrument of evil, but as an instrument of good. To make it a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So we're not going to escape this body. We're not going to escape this flesh right? until we die or Jesus comes back. So what we need to do is sacrifice it. Make it a living sacrifice. Make an active decision of our bodies to make them a living sacrifice. That we're not going to use them to indulge in the flesh, to indulge in sin, but instead we're going to use them to do the will of God. So make your body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. This is the reasonable thing to do if you've received Jesus. Give your life to Him. 
He's became a living sacrifice for you, so it's our turn to become a living sacrifice for him. This is reasonable service and spiritual worship. So when we, we practice putting our flesh to death, becoming a living sacrifice in our body, making that decision, it is spiritual worship. So we can actually use this flesh that was created and was under the power of our flesh, under the power of sin, we can instead use it for spiritual worship, right? And so that comes from, through the renewing of our mind, right? What, which is exactly what Paul says next. Do not be conformed to this world, to the way the world acts, right? Everyone else in the world is doing the things that, that sin is leading to them to do. But be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind. So it takes a transformation of our mind. It takes a transforming, the sanctifying of the word, the washing of the word through us and through all of the things that we can do as a believer to come into the will of God, to be transformed, to renew our mind, right? We can do it through the reading of the word, through prayer, through worship, through setting our minds on the things above and not the things beneath. But when we set our things, minds on the things of heaven, right? We can't help but worship God. We can't help but thank God. We can't help but learn about God. We can't hear, help but hear from him, from his word. We can't help but pray to him, have conversation with him because all of these things have been made available to us. So we need to be, be transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we might prove for ourselves so that we might know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that we might know the will of God from acceptable all the way to perfect. So that we might know where we're walking with God. God, I know I've given my life to you and I haven't fallen into sin, but I haven't desired your perfect will. Maybe you're just in the acceptable will of God. Maybe you're in the good will of God. But the perfect will of God is where we want to be, right? What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, right? There's a reason why Paul included three of these wills, right? And so we've there's many verses throughout the word, right? If you read... 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about whether you give your life fully to God, right? You give yourself up and you become a living sacrifice and the things you do on earth will count towards rewards in heaven or if everything that you do on earth will be burned up, right? You might still be saved, so you might just be living in the acceptable will of God, right? Just living by faith in Jesus, but you're not actually doing the works of God, not in his perfect will, not ministering to others, not pouring out what you've been what you've received, right? Then you might be living in the acceptable will of God, or you might be doing the good will of God. These are just generalizations of what these wills might be. This is not for sure. This is not backed up. This is just what the Lord has given me right now. You might be doing the good will of God, right? Which if you think of the Great Commission, all believers were sent to go out into the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Mark 16, it says that these signs will follow. They'll cast out demons. They'll heal the sick. If they drink poison, it won't harm them, right? All of these miraculous things, right? So that might be the good will of God to actually do what he said in his word. So we're being obedient. But the perfect will is, is to hear from God what his specific will is for our life and to be obedient to that, right? That's the perfect will that Jesus lived into. That was the perfect will that Jesus lived into, right? Because he didn't do what he desired. He did exactly what the Father desired. He always did the Father's will. He always heard from the Father, and he always did what the Father told him, right? That is the perfect will of God, and that is what we need to live into, right? 
So just to wrap up Romans 12, 1 through 2. In view of the mercies of God, we need to decide to use our bodies instead of for sin, we're going to make it a living sacrifice. We're going to put it on the altar. We're going to let God use it how he wants. We're going to make it our spiritual worship for him, our reasonable service. It's going to be pleasing to God when we give our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. And then we're not going to be conformed to the world. We're not going to let our minds be conformed to everything the world is saying because everything the world says is pretty much a lie, right? The father of this world is the devil, and he's also the father of all lies. So when the world is telling you one thing, do not take it as absolute truth. You get your absolute truth from the Holy Spirit, right? And then we talked about that Romans 8. We need to live by the Spirit, be empowered by the Spirit. So we be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Word of God, by the Spirit, all of these things, so that we might prove, so that we might know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, and that we might walk in it, right? Amen. All right. So overall, to walk in the will of God, we must be filled with the Spirit, right? We have to be filled with the Spirit, be being filled with the Spirit. We might do it once, we might obey God once, but if we're not continually reading His Word, staying in prayer, being filled with the Spirit through worship, right? Through communing with other believers, building each other up. If we're not being filled with the Spirit, eventually we're going to walk out of the will of God. So, this is to be done. To walk in the will of God, we must be filled with the the spirit to overcome the desires of the flesh and to know God's will just to know God's will we need to have the Holy Spirit working in us so that's what I want to activate tonight tonight I want to pray for anybody who's on the live now or is watching afterwards for the Holy Spirit to come and do a new work in you and this is an exciting thing he did this for me two years ago three I don't know two maybe three years ago Whenever I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, things changed for me. Before, I was a Christian and I had the Holy Spirit within me. But when the Holy Spirit came upon me through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was power to overcome sin. Sin that I had struggled with for many years, multiple, six, seven, eight years. Sin immediately broken off to where I didn't have to do it anymore. I was delivered in Jesus' name. So that's what I want to do right now. If there's anybody on the live... Whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, if you've never given your life to the Lord, put your hand up. Otherwise, if you want to pray with me, if you want to receive prayer to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk out of sin, to walk out of the flesh so that we can walk into the will of God, then I just want you to also put your hand up, right? And we're going to pray no matter what, but we're going to go right into that. It takes an action, right? In Romans 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved, right? So confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart is an act of faith. We're saved by grace through faith. So what is faith? It's confessing with our mouth, openly confessing, believing, and believing in our heart. It's knowing that you know that you know. Amen. David said, last night I spoke in tongues for the first time. Congratulations. That's amazing. That's awesome. All right. And then it also says in the word of God that we need to be being filled. So even if we've been filled before, we need to get filled again. And that's for me as well. So I'm going to take that tonight as well. Amen. All right. So let's go into prayer. 
just for anybody else watching afterwards or watching now, you can pray with me. We're going to pray to receive Jesus and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower us to walk into the will of God. So pray with me. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is Lord and the Savior of my life. I repent of all my sin and I ask Jesus to wash me with his blood and to make me new right now. Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy over my life. And so, Lord, I just pray over each one right now, Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that the power of God would go forth into each life, to each one that's received you as Lord and Savior before, I just pray for a fresh infilling. And for even those who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray that you would endue more power from on high. Lord, that you would sit at the right hand of the Father and say, Lord, pour it out. Father, pour out your Spirit upon your children. So Lord, we say right now we receive this gift. You said in Luke 11 that how much knowing your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will the heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So right now, Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and fill us, to overflow, to give us a, a spiritual hunger, a desire to do your will, to know your will, and to do it to the best of our ability, to walk in the perfect will of God. We want to walk in your ways. So Father, I pray that everything that is in each one's flesh, Lord, everything that's still in our flesh, that's still living in our flesh, that we haven't sacrificed to you, would be killed right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we lay those things down. We ask you to uproot, to destroy anything of the flesh, anything of the nature of sin, and that you would come and do a new work in us, that everything that was emptied would be filled with the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. You are faithful and just, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I thank you guys for joining me tonight for this week's Tuesday teaching. We're going to be back next week tomorrow night. We're going to have Megan on. For Women Wednesdays, sure, I'll have a fire message for sure. Just before we go, I'm going to put up on Facebook and YouTube our giving slide, and I'll read it to Instagram here. If you guys have been impacted by our ministry, then I would encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, would you have me give? Right? If you read through 1 Corinthians 9 and 2 Corinthians 9, they're both about giving. So if you're questioning why would we would be asking for any money or for any provision, then this is what we're looking for, right? We just upgraded our camera for Facebook and YouTube, and it looks amazing. And that was funded by you guys. So I thank you guys for, for funding that. But if you are encouraged by the Lord to give, you can go to wearelivinglove.org. It's probably the easiest way. There's multiple ways to give on there. Otherwise, our cash app is dollar sign we are living loved. Our PayPal is at we are living loved. And we, you can text to give, text G-I-V-E, to 855-760-2241 and those are the different ways you can give right now i thank you guys for giving ahead of time and i pray a blessing a return 30 60 100 fold over that giving in jesus name jesus said give and it will be given unto you pressed down shaken together and running over and who doesn't want that right 
it's an investment into the kingdom. When you invest into the kingdom, the Lord rewards that investment and he gives back, right? He's not a stingy God. He's not poor either, right? He says, I own all the silver and all the gold. There's nothing out of his reach. There's nothing he can't do. He can't provide for you. And I'm reminding myself of that as well, right? We got to stay in faith, stay in the spirit, stay trusting God, and we can do the will of God together. So I thank you guys for joining me tonight. We'll see you guys next week on the next Tuesday teaching.